Is Nikola Jokic having a down year? Sources say there will probably be a little bit of disagreement on this topic. Plus, the upcoming stretch for the Nuggets as the season continues, including some key home games. And we'll take a look around the Western Conference. Are the Suns, Warriors, and Lakers, are they just not threats? Is it too early to say that? All this and more on Locked on Nuggets. You are Locked on Nuggets, your daily Denver Nuggets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Nuggets, your daily Denver Nuggets podcast, part of the Locked On Network, your team every day. Thanks for joining us and making us part of your day. Appreciate you guys being with us and being an everyday or checking us out Monday through Friday. We appreciate you guys being part of the community. Today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. My name is Matt Moore. I'm a senior NBA writer for the Action Network, joined by Adam Mares from DNVR. As a reminder, you can catch us on all platforms. You can join us on Apple Podcasts, where we do appreciate those five-star reviews, Spotify, or you can catch us on YouTube. Go to youtube.com slash LockedOnNuggets. I, I promise you'll, you'll be entertained uh, watching us, our facial expressions, while we talk to one another uh, during these episodes. So, <laughs> And Adam's, Adam's, I am not convinced of you, head, head shake that he does as well. Uh, hope you guys had a very uh, happy holiday if you celebrated. And hope you guys are doing well. Um, hope you enjoyed the Monday Night Recap Show as well. Uh, all right, Adam, uh, on today's show, we're going to talk about Nikola Jokic evaluation. How's Joker doing this season? Because some of the numbers are interesting to kind of look at uh, with with the best player in the world uh, and kind of evaluate where he's at. We're going to talk about the upcoming stretch for the Nuggets, the games that are on the docket coming up, including games versus the resurgent Grizzlies and the Thunder, uh, as well as the rematch versus the Hornets. No, but there are there are serious games coming up. And the final segment, we're going to talk about the Suns, the Warriors, and the Lakers, those California teams, and whether any of them are serious threats to Denver. First, man, how was, uh, how was your holiday? How are you doing? Holiday's good. Um, I like this week because it's like a mild week, you know, the week in between the two holidays. So it's, it feels light. It feels good. How about you? Well, I'm going to Disney World tomorrow, so it's not light for me. So I'm running around with my head cut off trying to get everything uh, sorted well away. Done. So that's that's uh, that that's where, where my life is at. Uh, is uh, it, I was actually just thinking about that this morning, about how um, about how usually, typically speaking, um, this is like a light week. But for whatever reason, it is uh, not with me this week because I am going to Disney World. There you go. Uh, let's get started. All right, Nikola Jokic. All right, I got I got the number that we're going to start this conversation with, my man. Um, Nikola Jokic this season is forty first percentile shooting at the rim. That's the one I want I want to start with. He's forty first percentile via dunks and threes. Now a lot of those players don't have as many attempts at the rim, so he's much higher if you factor in for volume. But safe to say that's a significant drop off from where he's been in previous seasons. Um, for instance, last season when he was MVP runner up, uh, Jokic was uh, 90th percentile at 72 percent from that range. Uh, the year before he was 89th when he won MVP the second time. And the year before he was 79th percentile in 2021 when he won his first MVP. Um, for whatever reason, he's missed more bunnies this season. I don't know that that's like a thing he controls. I don't know that that's like a thing that's like under his uh, management. And I don't know that that overall this winds up impacting things hugely, but it does stand out. Like we were watching the other, the game uh, on Christmas and like, he was just missing, like 
you know, a lot of those were shots that he can miss. Now he will often get the rebound and then put it back up and get the rebound and put it back up. But there have been fewer instances anecdotally by me this season, uh, cause I don't have a way to track this of him being doing like the triple rebound and then putting it back in. There's been a lot of like the triple rebound in him, like missing. Um, what is the number by the way? Do you know the number at the rim? Yeah. The number is 60%. Okay. So that's the figure that uh, he's at, which, look, it sounds good. You think, you think so, he's having a down year? I don't know that I think he's having a down year. Um, in that a down year, the the connotation is like, like Jason Tatum is having a down year. Like Jason Tatum is like, Jason Tatum's bottom five in the pull-up <clears> jumper <throat> duffel dribble. That's bad, right? I don't know that I can say that Joker's having a down year when he's averaging um, – you know, one fewer assist per game, like it's 0. 0.6 is the actual differential. It's a half from his career high from uh, his career high last year, right? Way more than, than its second highest of any of any in his career. And he's averaging uh, his second career high in rebounds at 12.3. He's rebounded the hell out of the ball. Um, his free throw percentage is below his career average. His two point percentage is only 59% overall, which is below. Uh, his 61% um, career average. And he is shooting 32% from three, which is below his career average. So like the shot, I think the shooting, I think he is still as good of a player as he has ever been. I think he has more control over the game than he ever has. I do think that some of the shooting efficiency, which has always been such a strong part of his game, hasn't been as good this season as in the past three seasons um, during his two MVP and probably should have been third MVP season. So here's where I disagree because I believe you were in on this, but I'm not sure if it was more just the DNVR side, but I think it was you that about three and a half weeks ago, we had declared Jokic better than no meaningfully better than he was the season before. Yep. And specifically I made a video about Jokic's efficiency on his floater shot and how it was significantly better than it had ever been. Since then he's been in a three and a half week sort of slump. Um, and if we look at the numbers, it bears this out. If we go back and look to his 2022 season, which was the year where he averaged the most points, he averaged 30 in March, 38 in April, 28 in November, and the rest of the months are like 24, 25. Jokic this year, if we break it down by month, averaged 27 in the four games in October, 30 in November, and 22 and a half here in December. To me, this is a December shooting slump for him, not a, not a season-wide one. I think that his season as a whole, there were moments in the season where we thought his numbers were better than ever, he looked better than ever. I mean, his November, 14 games, this is a big sample size, 30 points, 13.4 rebounds, 9.4 assists, uh, and the true shooting was 63%, which is pretty high. And then the same thing, if you go back and look at the shooting numbers at the rim, he is at almost 70% in November. And he has that 59% in December. I just think it's a December slump. And it's really the last couple weeks that this has been a thing. I have to uh, I have to pull the, the November number to see whether the, the at-rim efficiency has been as good. I will like note this, that to make up for that shooting efficiency at the rim, um, this is like the, a preposterous number for Joker. He's shooting 57.5% for mid-range. I can't really uh, tell you, like, I guess I can't 45%. And I'm like, oh, that's really good. 
like if you're getting point, that's 0.9 points per possession, right? Um, if you get 0.9 points per possession, you wind up being like that's decent. It's not, it's not like you can't subsist on a diet of those, but that's like really good efficiency for those shots. If you're anywhere north of 45, it's like, oh man, what an incredible three like mid-range shooter. And he's at 57 points. Like that's preposterous. And some of that counts those floaters that you that you've kind of you've detailed and talked about. Um, I would agree that the December slump is probably there. I haven't checked the November numbers on his rim attempts. I could do that. But um, I do kind of wonder, like, I always wonder this with shooting at him. Like, I don't know how to evaluate this when it's like guys that have, have played at such a high level and have always been so efficient when they're missing, when it's like, well, he needs to make those shots. How? Like, what, what do you want him to do? Try, like, should he try harder to make them? Come on. Like, you shoot the shots that go in or they don't at this level. Like, I don't see anything with, with Joker's touch, uh, execution of these shots at the rim, any of this. I don't see, like, I do notice that teams are crowding him more. Like, I think that he is seeing more crowding in the paint, particularly on rebound attempts. It seems like teams are like, don't, like, because, I, separate question. Sorry, I'm a little bit scared here. Um, anecdotally, do you notice a lot of assists off of offensive rebounds for Joker at the rim? Like not longer ones where he catches it and whips it out, but do you notice like a grab at the rim where he turns around and kicks it out a lot? No more than average. Like it doesn't stand out. I would say below average because he knows he can make the the putback. Like he's such, he's so good at those tip shots. Right. And so I think that's part of the, the diagnosis is like, they are sending so much, so much of a crowd at him now on those attempts. Like the Warriors had like four guys on him on every single attempt. And that's not uncommon. That's not new. That's not like that. They've known that's a thing with him. They've tried to crash down. I think they're sending even more pressure. I don't know if that's affecting him though. He might right. just like start making these, t- these shots on the tip ins and it might be way, way, way better. Um, but I do think it's interesting in that part of the overall diagnosis of him is not just how much of a playmaker he is, how much of a control of the game he has, but also the hyper efficiency. Um, I think the big thing here also is that the at-rim stuff combined with a three-point thing, if one or the other was where his career average has been over the last four seasons, then this isn't the topic of a conversation at all. But the fact that both are down, I think, kind of does lead to the idea of, like, the the exceptional efficiency that he has performed at has not been quite as good. Is that fair? Yeah, again, I just think when you deal with something midway through December, your numbers are going to be up and down based on how it is. I, I would bet that when it's all said and done, his numbers are in line with his last like three-year average. If we just look at December, a couple things here when you when you mine through the data. He's going to play 16 games in December. That He's only done that, I believe, twice in his career in one month, 16 games in one month. So it's a little bit of an abnormal month where he's playing at, you know, an exceptionally high volume of games. And then on top of that, in this month of December, he has a game where he had four points and a game where he had eight points. The four point, obviously, he was ejected from. And the Mm -hmm. eight point was a 30-point win over the Mavs where he had eight points, nine rebounds, seven assists, and they won by 30 points. So I just think that his his numbers, like minus those two games and minus the little slump that he's been in, would be career-high averages in points, career-high in rebounds and, you know, slight dip in, in, in assists with a little bit of a down uh, shooting percentage. So to me, I just bet it averages out based on what I've seen where his November was better than ever. His December was worse than the last two year, three year average. I just bet it ends up coming to the middle over the course of the season. I would agree. Um, I did look this up just a second ago. His assist opportunities, his potential assists are down by about one per game. And uh, his, his assist points, created 
which is obviously tied to that, is also down about a point per game. Um, that's that is actually that's like not a small dip because whenever you're talking about like a point in a per game, that's actually a very large dip over year over year. If you think about like point differential, that's pretty significant. Um, honestly, to me though, that's that has been more of a function. I talked about this on Monday's show about how well the Nuggets are playing around him. Like I feel like the Nuggets are playing, especially now that, that Jamal's back and Jamal's playing more like himself and Aaron's playing more like himself. I feel like the Nuggets are playing better around Jokic without needing Jokic in the actions as they ever have. Like they still need him to be yeah. clear, but, and they need him on, on the floor for these possessions, but that they are executing and, and enabling one another better. I think than ever playing this, their synergy between the other four, I think is better than it ever has been, which I think is part of the impact on those numbers as well. Yeah. I think the biggest number you can point to about his down year is that he has eight games under 50% shooting this year. Yeah. So, and whereas last year, I think it was like two or three. So I do think that these lows have been a lower than before, but I think the highs have been higher than before. And that's why I just, to me, it feels more like early season, tough schedule, no Murray. It's probably going to normalize where you, it's just like Joel Embiid, not, not the unanimous MVP for like six weeks. He goes on a little four week stretch here, which again, I'm not trying to diminish it. That's a long stretch. But you go on a stretch and then you get credit for the whole year. Like, oh my God, he's been it's same with Yoke. He was phenomenal for six weeks. He's been bad for three and a half, four weeks. And it's like he's having a bad year. Nope. He's having a bad couple yeah. weeks. <laughs> I, I mean, I talk about this all the time, right? About how guys can have have bad months, bad stretches, bad things. Um, if it continues, then we'll talk about it. But the, I think the other thing is that the Nuggets have won during the stretch. That's that's the <laughs> weirdest. This is the weirdest thing with Yoke at all times, whenever you're evaluating him, is do his slumps coincide with wins? Then it's like, all right. They're on they're on their longest win streak of the year. They narrowly lost one game that would have connected this to the longest win streak of the entire Jokic era. And so part of me goes like he's having a slump at the exact moment when they're winning the most. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. Seems, seems right. Seems right. Uh on the other side, we'll talk about the upcoming stretch for the Nuggets and what that uh looks like for them. We'll preview some of these games. And later on, we'll talk about the Suns, the Warriors, and the Lakers with Steph Curry actually having the opposite problem of Nikola Jokic. We'll talk about that up next on Locked on Nuggets. So about eBay Motors, our partners at eBay Motors have teamed up with Locked on Fantasy Basketball host Josh Lloyd to bring you some of the best fantasy picks each week all season long. Whether you're prepping for a daily draft or scouting the waiver wire, every week we're going to provide you with players that are guaranteed to fit on your roster. Let's see who Josh has picked out for us on this week's eBay Guaranteed Fit Fantasy Picks of the Week. But Dante Exum, Jason Kidd said that when healthy, the Mavs are still playing on starting Exum. His shooting will regress, but his role is enticing. Love the way that Dante Exum has played with that team. The combo of Exum, Lively with Luka, those minutes are absolutely sensational. He brings something new with his physicality. He's such a different player than he was when he left the NBA. I love watching Exum, and he is filling up the stat sheet. And right now, he's actually hitting those three-point shots as well. I think that's a great pick from Josh. Josh Lloyd from Locked On Fantasy Basketball is going to help you win your fantasy championship. And eBay Motors knows a championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. Same with your vehicle. I mentioned the other day, I've got this Rogue that I really just don't want to give up. It's the perfect size for my family. And um, I've had to replace some parts on it. And every time that I've needed to, I've gone to eBay Motors. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof rack. Got one of those for that Rogue. Bumpers. Whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay's guaranteed fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. 
Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber and not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. eBay guaranteed fit, only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. We'll be right back on Locked on Nuggets. We have breaking news, man. What's the breaking news? Aaron Gordon was attacked by a dog. The an email presser from the Denver Nuggets says Nuggets forward Aaron Gordon suffered lacerations to his face and hand, resulting from a dog bite on December 25th. Aaron is in good condition and will remain away from the team while he recovers. Additional updates will be provided as necessary. So he got attacked and bit in the face and hand by a dog. I'm and was away okay. from the team. I'm glad he's okay too. It's yeah, crazy. Like a dog bite to the face, first of all, is that like a life altering, you know, you know, a bite that is now going to scar and he's permanently maimed? Or is this like he got, you know, a little cut and needs a little time? Like, I don't know. To be away from the team, that is wild. That sucks for him. Um, yeah, that really sucks. And I hope he's okay. You're right. First and foremost, man, that is that is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I think that people kind of, you know, and we don't know the details on what kind of dog it was, but assuming it was, it was big enough to actually get a, a chunk out of AG and yeah, his size was, is that's pretty scary. Um, those are not some, that's not something to really um, mess around with. And man, that is terrifying. Uh, yeah. I, I don't really have like more on that. I guess we'll, we'll find out more at practice here in the next couple of days. Um, hopefully that he's okay and is doing all right, but man, that's going to be, um, you know, we'll, we'll see how long he's away, but sounds, uh, sounds like it's serious enough to keep him away from the team, which means that's it's not a big a deal. Thing. I mean, if we yeah. just break this down, I think we have to talk about this from a Nuggets perspective, because as we're getting ready to do in this segment, this upcoming stretch is the, like, this is the, the stretch where Denver needs to create separation. This is, this is their, every team goes through a stretch where they're at home against bad teams. This is Denver stretch. So on one hand, can they survive if they miss Aaron Gordon for a week or two? Like, yes, they can survive, but this is the one where you I, – I looked at their 10-game stretch that started yesterday and spans all the way to January 14th and speculated that they will be favored in every game. So now you think no AG. That obviously changes things. So, um, man, that is such a wild way. That's such a wild curveball to enter the equation at this moment in time. Yeah, and like I said, you know, I don't want to speculate on any more of the details. We'll find out more. Um, from the Nuggets in the coming days. Um, so make sure to, to keep it here on Locked on Nuggets. Um, yeah, I think, look, it's obviously one of the things that this will will do, obviously, is you'll get to see what I refer to as the Blackburn lineup um, with probably, I would assume, Peyton Watson fills in at power forward. Like, he goes the small forward. Malone, I think and, Malone likes playing, maybe, it's possible. I hope so, because I think that'd be fun. I think Malone seems to like playing Justin Holiday. Whenever there's somebody out, like he just enters yeah. to keep everything else the same. So we could see that. But man, what a crazy thing. Yeah, that's a really wild uh, set of circumstances to happen. Um, like I said, we'll find out more later. But yeah, um, look, AG, it sucks too because AG had just kind of turned the corner, right? He had a yeah. stretch where he really struggled and has been playing great basketball over the last I don't know, five games or so. So that's a real bummer. I um, hope that. Aaron is okay, first and foremost. Uh, upcoming schedule, they've got Memphis on Thursday, followed by a back-to-back -back versus OKC at home on Friday. I'm bummed to be missing that game, by the way. Uh, on January 1st, they've got the Hornets before they head out on the road for a game versus the Golden State Warriors, and then they're at home versus the Magic. Then they get the Pistons. Oh, boy. Oh, oh boy, Pistons. Um, you know, look, that OKC game 
is obviously really big because now it's one one. They both won uh, in each other's buildings, which that's mad like another interesting wrinkle to this. So that one's going to be for split a tiebreaker. So that that is the most important game on the schedule. Memphis is playing really great basketball since Morant got, got back. Like I know just, this first game is going to be tough, man. That's they are hurt. they are way tougher than they they they, they and there's they've gotten a little bit of their spine back too. Now their bench is absolutely miserable. So Jokic and the reserves should dominate in the end of first end of third versus Memphis is what I would say. But you know, they've got Marcus smart back alongside John Morant. That's gonna be a really tough matchup. Uh, I think in the, this is like this set of two games on a back to back. This is a tough, tough two game set uh, coming up for Denver with how John Morant has played. Now I think Denver at home has dominated the Grizzlies. Um, they they have tended to, to have the edge on them. The games that they've lost to Memphis, like the one last year in Memphis before they beat them at home in March, it was more a matter of the Nuggets got a big win versus the Cavs and then kind of chilled out knowing that game on Saturday was a bad spot. Um, so I, I do I definitely lean towards Denver being like a significant favorite in that game. But this two-game stretch, I think, is is actually really important for a number of reasons. One, to keep pacing the West with the, the guys up top. And two, that yeah. Thunder game in particular, I think, has the most on it. Look, Denver lost at home to Oklahoma City. They play them at home again. Second night of a back-to-back. But I just I feel like that's a game you can't lose because you have to you can't let a team beat you two times. The only two times they come into your building, you can't let them beat you. Um, so I think that'll be a really good. I, these are this is a good measuring stick, especially now if you say without AG, it really becomes interesting. Memphis has the two big lineup they throw out there with Jaron Jackson Jr. at power forward, which we know has given Denver trouble. So if you say AG is out. Michael Porter at the four. Is that an interesting test now for like, hey, does this work? Do we can we actually break that defense? Uh, and then the same thing in a lot of ways applies to Oklahoma City, who found something last game with Chet Holmgren off, you know, guarding Aaron Gordon. That's another game where maybe it's like, hey, maybe this is a thing that we can test out and learn something about. Hopefully, learn something positive. But that is a tough. Like the toughness of the schedule is at the beginning. After that, Charlotte. You've got you know Orlando's tough actually. Detroit, Utah. You know, you have a couple softies in there that that and some big breaks. Three, they have, I think, three games where there is two days off in between the games, three different times over the next nine games, which they desperately need. Malone still has talked a lot about how tough that opening schedule stretch was and how condensed those games were. So um, I think it'll be really good to get them all a little bit of rest because they have looked so good when whole but obviously they're not gonna be whole without Aaron for a while um look I we're just reacting to this news and I don't have anything to base this off of I'll speculate and say like I don't know five games seems like that might be way too many he might be back in three um he might be it might take him longer if he's got to have um got to have more work done um so we'll kind of see what happens with AG we'll keep you updated here on man Boston. I hope yeah we get some in, intel here we'll have to make some calls here uh up next We'll talk about the Western Conference. The three California teams that are really in contention, the Suns, the Warriors, and the Lakers. Throw the Kings in there, too. Uh, I'll have problems. We'll talk about whether or not they're actual threats to the Nuggets up next on Locked on Nuggets. Let's talk about game time. Can we get NAVS tickets uh, here on Locked on Nuggets? Or, sorry, I'm going to be getting ass tickets for my wife here when we get back from uh, from Disney World. She wants to go see the Avs. So we're going to check out uh, Game Time and use that to get the best prices on all these tickets because they've got so many great ways to get you tickets 
up to the day of the event. Game time has deals on tickets right up to the start, even an hour after it starts. If you want to miss the first quarter and get a great deal, you can do that at Nuggets Games, first period for Avs Games as well. It's the place to find last-minute seats. Find exclusive flash deals and sponsor deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, hockey, and more. With zone deals, you pick the section, and Game Time picks the seats for an average of 18% savings. And the Game Time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-N-B-A for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. We'll be right back on Locked On Nuggets. Back here on Locked On Nugget. Thanks for joining us, making this part of your day. Uh, last segment here. So, Adam, let's talk about these California teams. I want to I want to rank them in order from you of most dangerous to least dangerous as far as a threat to the Nuggets um, this season for, let's put it, playoff contention. Like, I, neither of us really care if they wind up with a higher seed. Right. Um, Suns, Warriors, Lakers. And I want to throw... Um, can we throw the other California teams in there? Can we throw the Clippers and Kings into that set as well? Uh, Clippers most dangerous, I think, is because I think they're the better team. Kings. Kings are an interesting one because I don't think they're particularly good. Even though I love the Kings, like I mean, I'm a big fan yeah. of the Kings, but I, I don't. Know. I just, I, I, but I think that Denver beats them. To me, so to me, they're in a different category. The teams to me that are category are Phoenix, Golden State, L.A. Because really, well, yeah, because they're all. Like so, it's so hard for them to get through a regular season, and you know, like mm-hmm. that—that's why they're in a different category. Like I think you could say this for the Clippers, but mysteriously this year they're they're all playing and stuff, so maybe it comes back. But the Clippers to me look like a team that is going to be there, whereas the Lakers need LeBron to not roll an ankle or Anthony Davis to tweak a back. The Warriors are already depleted; they need Draymond to not get suspended once he comes back more. Um, and then the Phoenix Suns, obviously, you know, are where they are. So to me, those are the three teams where it's like they were all considered title contenders, and yet they're all now lottery contenders more than they are. Um, so to me, I just think the Suns are the easy. I just don't believe in the Suns. I actually think the Suns might be – I don't want to say done. You never want to declare a team like that done. But they're as close as to you can declare a team done. They're like as close as you can get, in my opinion. And yeah, then, I, was wa- I, was watching, I was watching PHNX. Uh, their postgame show after that Mavericks game where they just got sunned in the fourth quarter again. Like that was one, that was the best regular season game I've ever seen Luca play. It was so phenomenal. It was, it was, it was chef's kiss. He was incredible on, on all phases, but also just like that team's lifeless, frustrated and hates playing together. Um, and the PHNX guys were basically just like, yeah, it's bad. Like Gerald. Didn't you watch, KD? Always, Didn't you watch KD on Christmas day, moping up and down the court? Yeah. Like, that guy, man, was throwing a fit. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. Uh, I have a question for you. If KD, if KD does this and asks out again, which would be really funny, but if he asks out, what do you think the odds are that he just says, "Get me back to the Warriors"? No, zero. I can't imagine him doing that. I mean, look, I can't. None of KD's career choices have made sense to me, so I can't say zero percent in good faith. But that one, to me, of all, seems the that seems the most embarrassing. Don't yeah. you think? Yes. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, I, I think so. But also, I don't know that he cares. 
Like, yeah, you know, sure. that's kind of counter there. Um, yeah, the look, the Suns are broken. We knew they weren't going to be good on defense, but this is kind of the thing. And and like, there, there's a lot of talk on PHNX about about firing Vogel. And I am kind of like, <laughs> I mean, that's where you go, right? Because it's easy. Yeah, I know. I'm just like, guys, like this is not. I I just I'll say this again. You know, look, Gerald, Gerald, and Gerald's pushed back on me on this about about like, well, what could they do with their financial situation? And I'm just like, what you there? You have options. Yeah. And one of the options that you do not need is to bring in Bradley. Beal. Like your choice was to bring in Bradley Beal and be like, we're going to absolutely have a top three that squeezes everything. And then we're going to fill in the margins with whatever, like your job is to try and find creative solutions. And you, uh, you attack the wrong problem. Your problem was not the third guy. Your problem was four, five, six, seven, eight. That was your problem. And all of their four, five, six, seven, eight are terrible. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and don't make them better and don't fill needs that they have. Um, so and they're not, they're more importantly, though, Matt, to me, is they're not building a team. I actually think those guys could be good. Like they do Fair. have players on there that are useful, but they're not working towards that at all. In fact, the chemistry it, early on, it felt like, okay, Katie and Booker and everyone has to fit around them and they're not necessarily helping that out. But at least you have those two guys in concert and that helps. Now I just feel like those two guys aren't even in concert and you have a bunch of role players who are just standing around unsure of what they're supposed to do so that's why i just say they're unserious and even if they do get together matt even when the in the portion of the season where they were good um they couldn't guard anybody they were horrible so bad defensively that it didn't look like there was any foundation there so for me the suns it's again it's weird to say writing them off but i look at them and i go it's hard to, for me to imagine them being a threat uh the game the team for me and this is the the warriors Man, I, I'm I'm just Warriors shook or something, man, because I still believe in them. I don't. Um, and that me, you know, look, I guess here's the thing. I don't believe in them if they turn it around and they start to play better. Like I reserve the right to be like, yeah, they got better. <laughs> like they got better. But I wrote about this on for action. I need to really be clear on this. They're losing the Steph Curry minutes. And if that was happening and Steph was playing like he did on Christmas, okay, but he's but he's not. He's shooting 42% on 11 and a half three-point attempts this season. That's berserk. That's like up there with his career peaks in terms of efficiency on volume of threes. He's yeah. playing fantastic, and they're losing when he's on the floor. And Warriors fans went to me and were like, well, it's just the Andrew Wiggins minutes. If you take out the Wiggins minutes. So I did. I took out the Wiggins minutes. They're losing the Steph Draymond no Wiggins minutes. That's crazy. That's terrifying. If you are losing your – like that is the core. That is the crux of everything with this team is Steph Draymond. And they are losing those minutes. And mm. at, at, like, I get small sample. I, to I totally do. And if it changes, it'll like Luca, the Mavs were losing the minutes with Luca and it was a problem. They're winning the minutes with Luca now. They got better. They figured out how to play with Lively. Him and Lively are phenomenal. But like the Warriors, I don't know where they go. Like, I don't, they're, Pajemski has given them great minutes. And uh, Trace Jackson Davis has given them great minutes. But it's not really enough for them. Like, they've gotten wins versus some very weak teams. The Celtics win was good without Porzingis. That was a great win. But it's also like, they're going to have to show me that they've really turned a corner in order for me to buy in. And part of this also becomes, if they show me that they, they've turned a corner without Draymond, what does that say? Right. Well, like, one thing it might say, Matt, is that Draymond's the tension he brings to the team is worse than the on-court value he brings to the team, which I think is on-court value is undeniable. Maybe it's gone. Maybe he lost it. I doubt that, but maybe. Yeah. But I think more than anything, it's that the tension that he brings to the team has not been worth it over this course. And maybe him going away 
a la Zach Levine going away and the Bulls kind of like playing a different way and playing more free and everybody playing confident. Maybe that helps. And so maybe Draymond comes back without the tension. Again, that's a lot of maybe. So I understand why people are skeptical. But to me, I watch him like I, I just as an X's and O's on court product, I look at it and I go, they're deficient. They're not that team right now, but they're not. They still have the ingredients there should the ingredients come together for them. And that's why sure. I don't write them off. Yeah, um, I would agree with that. Um, the Lakers, it's all about what they're going to do. Like, they're going to make a trade. I'll just tell you right now. Like, yeah, they do it. it it's easy to say that because they do it every year. But it's also I, I would say they do it every year. And there's there's just like constant talk about it. Well, uh, Mark Stein. Two guys, right? There's two guys in the name right now. Zach Levine and yes. DeJounte Murray. Yeah, right it, now. That's the two guys right now. Yeah. Let's just keep it to that. Do either of those guys make them better than Denver? No. Do either of those guys make them significantly closer to Denver? Oof. I know. I I, I don't know either. I this I'm not trying to like lead you. I think DeJounte gets them much closer. I don't know if that means close, but like going from D'Angelo Russell, who you can literally pick on all series long and is not a 16 gamer and going to DeJounte Murray, who is shooting the hell out of the ball this year. Um, and I think actually has like a little bit of dog in him. That to me does kind of change the equation. I don't know DeJounte's like third star. I don't know that he's like lead playmaker, but that gets you a lot closer in terms of, I would feel much better about your chances of making a run with DeJounte Murray instead of D'Angelo Russell. For me, this is more about like, they need to like, if they can get rid of the guys that, that they can't win with, which is DeJounte Murray, or I'm sorry, with D'Angelo Russell. And like, they add one more playoff viable wing. That to me is like a bigger question here um, rather than, than, you know, any of the other, they don't need like another mega star. They need to subtract the weaknesses that they have that are driving right. them down. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's probably accurate. Um, Zach Levine to me, I, I kind of laugh at, I mean, he would be dangerous, make them more dangerous offensively, but then, then it just gives you the mark on defense. And so I, I, it's like D'Angelo Russell in, in a lot of ways. I don't, I don't know. We'll see. They are going to pull off moves that are going to be annoying. I just have prepared for it. Might be KD. Who knows? <laughs> oh man, that would be great. That, that would be, that would be your reaction to that would be, uh, although after winning the title, would your reaction be different rather than your, than what you would have done before prior? It'd be annoying just because I hate when things like that. But I will say, it'd be worse. Phoenix, everybody has the same relationship to the Lakers. And it would be even worse that Phoenix, who hates the Lakers as much, if not more, than Denver, made this experiment and it failed. And the result of the failed experience, the experiment was they had to gift KD to the Lakers. Oh, that would be like the worst thing ever. It really would. That would be, that would be oh boy. Ooh, Suns fans. Oh, Suns fans. Uh, all right, that's going to do it for Locked On Nuggets. Thanks for joining us and making this party today. Appreciate you guys being with us. You can catch uh, Swipe It tomorrow on third on yeah on Thursday and Friday. Uh, and he'll probably have a post-game show for you on Saturday, too. Uh, I'll be back next week. Hope you guys, uh, Adam will be solo on Sunday night for World's Finest. Uh, hope you guys have a great week. Enjoy the holiday. Happy New Year. We'll talk to you guys again next time on Locked On Nuggets. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. 
Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.